Sometimes our imaginations are captured by the possibility of alternative explanations. Join me, Ryan Nelson, host of Conspiracy Theoryology, as we explore the historical events and public state of mind that influenced the appeal and popularity of the most enduring alternative theories out there. There are so many theories that we often take for granted that we know what they're really about. Once you gain a fresh perspective, you may just find yourself taking a new look at old stories. Find Conspiracy Theoryology wherever you listen to podcasts and visit the website at conspiracytheoryology.com. friends and enemies welcome to perhaps it's you an unofficial unsolved mysteries rewatch podcast i'm liz and i'm samantha that We're, was maybe our best intro yet it was it was slick let's fuck up immediately now <laughs> should i whack my microphone accidentally yeah all right i don't want the pressure of perfection that's true we're not gonna let the perfect get away it's the good or whatever that phrase is we're gonna make something sloppy and real <laughs> to talk to you <laughs> that's our new motto for this podcast sloppy and real, sloppy and Coming real. At ya. <laughs> oh yes we just got back from a business podcast trip and we are like ready to be the professionals we are yeah that's true hello and welcome we have business cards can you tell from my voice it's perhaps <laughs> it's you back from the true crime podcast festival the first annual true crime podcast festival held this year in chicago yes. we went we represented the podcast we met a few of the five. We sure did. Thank you so much to everyone who came to our meetup. To those of you who stopped by our table at the festival, it was so lovely to meet you all. You were just the most lovely people. Yeah, really. Clearly, our listeners are the, the best of humanity. Of we, course. We're weeding out all the the jerks. Mm-hmm. Slowly but surely. <laughs> they don't. That's how you know. They don't listen to this. So you go, oh. <laughs> hmm. No, we had a great time. We brought Robbie Stacky. We blew Robbie Stacky up <laughs> in a gym in, in a, a fancy very hotel. fancy gym from a, a trainer had to get an employee to get at the pump. Yes, you can see it all on our Instagram at perhaps it's you. I saved all of our stories from oh, the weekend nice. into an Instagram like Insta story highlight. Yeah, that's called True Crime Podcast Fest. So you can check out our adventures our in Chicago. We did a little bit extra while we were there. We went to the Surgical Museum, which you've talked about on the show before. We did. Did not disappoint. I very much enjoyed if it. You want to see a case of skulls? You want to pay, I think, like $17 for that, which is slightly ridiculous. I mean, yeah, it's kind of a small Head museum. over to the International Surgical Museum. But it was air-conditioned and had gore, which are two things that I really it wanted at the moment. It was a very hot day, and it's very cool and marbly in there. Mm-hmm. So, ah, uh, refreshing. Definitely. We also went on a ghost tour, which didn't have a lot of ghosts. <laughs> uh, we went, I think it's called Chicago Haunting tour or something like that it was on a bus so whichever one is on a bus is the one we went on which Uh, i did like that part about it the bus was 10 out of 10 (laughs) i don't remember the dude's name but he was very bitter and clearly did not want to be leading a bus tour and i just felt like as much as it lacked in ghosts information and it was more just a history of chicago slash personal accounts of this dude's life and family I did a bit fe- strange. I did feel like it was a very Chicago experience for Samantha. Very different than the Minnesota ghost tours we've been on. 
this guy was no dangerous, Linda. Put it that way. He's, he needs <laughs> to do true. a lot more research. Yeah, he needs to do a bit stop more. Stop talking about himself. Yeah, he but, apparently uh, runs this business with his ex-wife, <laughs> whose name is Ursula. I think Ursula may be the better of the tour guides. Well, when we looked at the review, I was like, that was a strange experience. Why did I pick this one again? And then I was looking at the reviews, which were all very positive, but they were all like, Ursula's the best. And I was like, ah, I see, we got the wrong guide. Yeah, and it was very full of Chicago history. There were some factual inaccuracies, but we drove Wait. around and basically saw locations where a lot of people died, and he was like, well, a lot of people died here, so it must be haunted. <laughs> There's very little details about, like, ghosts. Or ghost or sightings. Hauntings, or, like, what, you know, how the apparitions appear. No. I don't even think we heard the word apparition. No. That's a bad sign. No. We mostly just went to places in Chicago and heard how they were once quote-unquote skid row <laughs> yeah. basically did you know that all of chicago used to be skid row and a then slum and then was turned into a cemetery all of it all of it all of chicago and then that cemetery they just built stuff on top of well so at some point it burned down and then it burned down then it was pushed into the lake all of it and then <laughs> on top of what was a cemetery they just built stuff and they didn't move the corpses and now the ghosts are mad so basically all of chicago is haunted Ghost racism. There's ghost racism. He's racist against different ghosts. And the two things that I learned that I found interesting on this tour. Fact number one. This guy fucking hates the John Hancock building. Don't really understand why he thinks it's like a vortex to evil based on its that shape. was never explained. Which is why it's featured in the movie Ghostbusters. But anyway, what he we learned was that the Hancock building has a spider problem. A, a big spider problem. And by big, I mean there's big spiders. There's big spiders and there's a lot of them. It's Australia up there. So that's interesting to me. Apparently, because heat rises, the building's so tall, kind of old. The spiders find refuge at the top where it's yeah. very warm. And so the people who have to like change the colored lights for like St. Patrick's Day or Cubs winning or whatever, which I didn't realize we're still like literal. They don't do that digitally at this point. They literally have to go up there and swap out the light bulb. There's dudes that just swap the lights, but they have to wear these like hazmat suits because of all the spiders. That's what he said. I, I don't know. Yeah, we cannot verify this Not information. This information has been fact-checked. Okay. I'm not going to go up there to find out. Second piece of information. You may be familiar with Hull House. Um... It is now a small museum. It's a historic home in Chicago. But what's interesting about that is that it was apparently someone brought their quote-unquote devil baby to Hull House back in the day, which I guarantee was a child that had birth defects and tragically died. Yes. But anyway, people thought it was like a demon. It was brought to Hull House. It died. And it is now said to haunt Hull House, this demon baby. Ooh dramatic there we go there's the mic smack that was the inspiration for rosemary's baby fascinating even though that story takes place in new york the the demon of demon baby of whole house became rosemary's baby Mm -hmm. so i felt some like weird chicago pride in that we really feel there should be a statue yeah i want i want mia farrow with the iconic haircut in like a house dress preggers standing in front of hall house is that too much to ask? Yes. Oh, probably. But maybe they should think about it. I definitely. Can you tell from this podcast? I want more statuary in the world. Yes. <laughs> of of actual cool shit, and not Confederate like, generals. Confeder- yeah. Pull those down. Put up statues of Mia Farrow. Why is that too much to ask? <laughs> come on. Come on. So we learned that on our ghost tour. Um, 
Yeah. We had a great time. Ate so much delicious food. We ate a lot. We had four gelatos in as many days. <laughs> well, yeah. Two so, bubble teas. So amazing. Nice Chinatown lunch. Shout out to Liz's family who joined us for brunch on Sunday. Hi, hi my family. You were delightful. I'm sure they're listening. Uh, Samantha was fooled. She thinks you're delightful, so keep it up. It's going to be a hard ruse to pull off over the years. Uh, yeah. I feel like that's our update. It was fun. It was, you know, the whole time we were like, wow, we're on a business trip. We kept saying the word business a lot. Uh-huh. And then we would see actual business people and we'd be like, oh, we're just like them. Who are like talking on the phone at 6 a.m. About to who? I don't about know. like synergy. This guy at the airport, seriously, it's fucking six in the morning. He's on his like Bluetooth. And he's saying things like, the only thing that's going to hold us back is ourselves. <laughs> Actually happened. Liz and I are like, I don't know, still half asleep, like sipping on some coffee. Yeah, I've got, a, don't, like, I've got a donut and an orange juice. And we're just like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> he's probably talking to no one because no one is awake unless they have a flight to catch. But that's business. That's how business works. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're business. business. We're business, business people women, now. So. We definitely did better than the person next to us at our table. showed up drunk at 10 (laughs) a.m. And we're pretty sure. Allegedly. Allegedly. I'm certain he was drunk. Uh, He just threw these, like, notebooks and stickers onto the table. He didn't even, like, unwrap them. Like, all the notebooks were still in saran wrap together. For context, check-in for this event was at 7.30. It started (laughs) at 9. He shows up at 10.30, probably drunk, just throws shit on the table. He doesn't have a sign. He like nothing. He turns to us. He makes fun of our display that we've already like set up nice. Like basically, like why is this so cute? This is true crime. What are you doing? Pretty and, much. And then we're like, who are you? Like what? And then he left. We never saw him again. <laughs> there was a one point where people were like, oh, I really like his notebooks, and we're like, well, we you should probably like, take a just, whole thing, just take them all because he's. I don't think he's even coming it's back. Four p.m. now, and we never saw him again. So I don't think he came back to clean up his stuff. He just. No, I don't I, know why you would pay to go to a conference and then not. Stand look, there and promote a, your podcast. He, maybe he had ambitions once, and then he had a rough night the night. But he maybe he went on a different ghost tour, got a little rowdy. I, I think maybe that's what happened. Over. I'm not judging, but he couldn't be bothered to promote his podcast to the next morning. So yeah. we looked very professional in comparison. It was nice that he was right next to us because our display looked very good in comparison. We were there. Everyone else at our table were completely lovely. I mean, yeah. he, maybe he's lovely too. We just never got to meet him. I'm uh, going to say he's not because he insulted his, our yeah, thing. Based on his comments. And I'm better now. It's a good guess. But um, everyone else we met was just delightful. Yes. There Everybody was a podcast else. there that had a cardboard cutout of their pod dog. Which, why don't we have And I that? don't understand why we didn't think about getting one of Lenny. Maybe for next time. Yeah. Apparently, it's going to be in a different city next year. So. Okay. It'll be interesting to find out where it's going to be. It so, was their first year, so I'm sure it's only going to continue to grow. Yeah. We were at the first one, everyone. We sure were. Wow. Okay. Are we ready to talk about Unsolved Mysteries? I don't really want to. Are we going to call this episode, episode Men Being the Absolute Worst Part 2? Yes, we are. Because so many people thought that title was actually about this episode because there's some really terrible men in Somehow here. Somehow it gets worse. We were like, men. last episode was Men Being the Absolute Worst. Somehow they're even worse than this one. So, um, sorry for the confusing title. Ugh. Actually, pretty much any episode of Unsolved Mysteries, you could call Men Being the Absolute Worst and people would be like, so appropriate. It really fits true so here we are we're on season four episode six if you're following along on our evil overlords amazon prime 
I hope the workers uh, did well on their strike the other day. Uh, Amazon's the worst. Anyway. Before we continue, do we want to say a quick thank you to the listener that sent us some stuff? I was just trying to think if we had any updates really quick because we have been gone for a while. And it occurred to me that we should give a shout out to a listener whose name I don't remember. Uh, But they sent us a little package of... Uh, face masks that have a few inside so we can both share them and then some tiny little bags of cheesies. We each get our own bag of cheesies. These are like to-go bags of cheesies. It could easily fit in my purse. It's the perfect size. Uh, shout out to the Cheesy Factory that apparently had a fire, but they're going to oh, continue. Yeah. Uh, they say the cheesies are going to continue to flow, so fear not. Arden pointed out that fire must have smelled so good. <laughs> it's very sad there was a fire, but she's not wrong. I'm sure it was a delicious smelling fire. <laughs> So thank you so much to the listener that sent us a handwritten note and gave us these uh, wonderful gifts. We really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. I don't think these are going to make it into the shadow box because we're going to eat them and use them, but, you know, we will carry our gratitude the with us of the cheesies forever. The shadow box. Yeah, that's true. That's true. See right here. Liz is pointing to the shadow box, which is now hung up on the wall. I should put a photo on Instagram. There's where the ghost cheesies are. Yeah. The little blank spot in the corner is the ghost <laughs> where the ghost of all the cheesies we've been sent lives yes all right let's actually get to this episode all right our first one is lost love it's a bomber matter of the worst this is i hate this mystery i think i even sent liz a message while i was watching she was like what is this this is garbage okay so this is the mystery of michelle fazzini we go back to 1964 england where a teenager she's 18 years old delia fazzini learns that she's pregnant she is at a bar. She tells her boyfriend, who thinks he's in the kinks, he's there in his leather jacket trying to be all cool. And uh, she's like, look, I've got something to tell you. I'm pregnant. And, you know, I'm three. It's been three, three months. Yep. Uh, is he excited about this news? No. Is he moderately supportive of this news? No. Does he say if she tells people it's his child, he'll t- say that she's slept with all of his friends? Yes. That's his immediate reaction, folks. Yeah, his immediate reaction was, well, it's not mine. And she's like, yeah, no, it is. Of course it is. And I'm sure he also knows that it's his. Yeah, of course he does. But he doesn't want to any responsibility. It. So he's like, if you tell people that's my kid, I'm going to tell him you've been banging the t- whole town, essentially. And this is someone that she, like, loved and wanted to marry. And yeah. he t- says this and apparently just gets up from the table and walks away. Walks away trash garbage hopefully he was hit later that day by a double decker bus but that cannot be confirmed that's just my hope so um that god i can't imagine anything worse really well it gets worse it does actually i can because it happens so she ends up telling her parents they were italian immigrants and they ran a successful uh, italian restaurant in london but they were very strict catholics so they were not happy about this news really mainly her father uh for seven months she hid her pregnancy by wearing corsets and loose clothing uh, trying to not let on but when it got to the point that she couldn't conceal it any longer it seems like um, her mom figured it out i'm sure her mom probably actually knew for a while yeah and was also like oh great i don't want to tell your father either so they were you know there was just everybody was pretending nothing was going on so eventually it gets to the point where she has to admit it her father does not take it well does not take it well he 
uh, ends up sending her to a convent. Well, her mother suggests that they keep the baby and raise it as theirs. Yeah. And her father's, at least in the reenactments, is the weirdest fucking thing. He says, I don't even want to smell it. He says, I don't want to see that baby. I don't even want to smell it. That, I mean, that is, maybe he is saying that because newborn babies smell great. That's true. So he's like... He doesn't want to... Because that'll make him want to keep it. He was like, you're not going to believe this. I don't even want to smell that baby, no matter how good it smells. (laughs) (laughs) Like, sit down. I was watching and... My reaction was like, what? what did you know, you like, okay. you like smell that baby head and it's just like, mm, so good for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's true, but that statement is very bizarre. I don't even want to smell it. You know how you smell that baby head and then it's just like, mm. <laughs> People know what I mean. Either you know what I mean or you don't. No, you're right. Babies smell but good. But the way that they have like, just like perfect, smooth skin, they also just like smell great. I'm sure that's like some thing to try to trick me into having a baby probably it's not, it's gonna, like, wor- it's yeah. not gonna work mother nature that's evolution okay? making you want to have your own good smelling baby it, it, where it's like oh this i can't where can i get more of this smell <laughs> right i have to have a baby oh, i guess i guess i do guess i do <laughs> it's not gonna work mother nature i'm on you no so um yeah he didn't even want to smell the baby so she's sent to a convent which she describes as like a prison because she... Well, it kind of was. It was like a prison for unwed mothers. Yeah. Well, she's like, just like prison, you're there for a certain amount of time, and you know you can't leave until your time is up. Literally, they lock you in, so yeah. Also, they made all of the quote-unquote unwed mothers do manual labor, and contrary to what you would think, the like labor is more intensive the closer you are to your due date. Because the nuns believe that it like helped you along, which probably it did, but not in a good way. I was like, what? Like, what? Yes, yeah, so there's a reenactment of someone who's extremely pregnant being made to like bend down like, and rake leaves and bag them. And I was like, um, if I'm that pregnant, I'm laying on a bed being fanned with giant <laughs> palm fronds and being fed grapes. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm not out there raking goddamn leaves nine months pregnant. Oh my God. Yeah, it was a torture camp for pregnant people. It seemed terrible. Um,. So, when she finally gives birth, she names her daughter Michelle, but she's only allowed to see the baby at feeding times and occasionally to change it, because the nuns thought that that would mean she would have less bond to the baby. I'm, like, the thing is, she wants the baby. Right. So, keeping her away from the baby is only probably making her want the baby more. I. It's just certainly... Maybe, worsening the maybe trauma. if you didn't want the baby and you only went to feed it, you you wouldn't feel that bonded to it because you didn't want it in the first place. But she actually wanted this baby, so this trick is not going to work. No, it's only worsening her trauma, really. So at some point, the like her parents are allowed to come, and there's like this is so weird to me. There's like three prams or like free fancy bassinets sitting outside with babies in them lined up like and then her parents are allowed to like come down this lawn and like look at the baby and delia is up in a window like spying on them and she's hoping that once her dad sees his granddaughter he will change his mind and say she can bring the baby home and raise it she's 18 years old i feel like if she wants to raise this baby like 
fucking letter. Yeah. This is ridiculous. She should have a say in her life and her child's life, but that's not the way that it goes. Her mom, like, goes and asks to hug the baby and is, like, cuddling it and asking his name and stuff. But the dad just turns and storms off. Yeah, she described the scene where she's watching from a window up in the air and she sees her dad, like, trying not to look at the baby, but sort of stealing glances. And her in her head, she's, like, having hope that maybe once he sees the baby, he's going to change his mind. But he turns and storms off and she knows in that moment that she was... The baby is going to be taken from her. It's such bullshit. Yeah. It's really sad. And it's this dad is a jerk. And hopefully, well, actually, we know he wasn't also hit by a bus. But I mean, her mom should have, like, just slipped him some antifreeze or something. This coffee. <laughs> she could have at least, like, put him to sleep that day. Like, given him a lot of cold medicine or something. And he'd be like. What? Weren't we supposed to go see the baby what today? Baby? And she's like, oh, we did. We decided to bring it home. Don't you remember? That would have been brilliant. <laughs> she should have done that. That's better than murder. You're right. She's like, don't you remember when you said, I love my granddaughter and I love my daughter and I would do anything for them? Don't you remember? <laughs> Honey? Aren't you a Christian man of your word? Yeah. Don't you think this is what Jesus would do? Hmm? <laughs> anyway. Just Unfortunately, look, that's not what just happened. A Although in our alternate reality, that's how... <laughs> We would, we would fanfic it out like that. <laughs> um, so she, yeah, is forced to give up the baby. The convict comes and tells her that the, that Michelle's being adopted to an American couple. The dad was in the Air Force and was stationed at the time in Northampton. So Delia is forced to sign papers that will allow the baby to be taken out of the country. This is so horrible. They lock her in a room while they're giving her baby to someone else. Yeah. And she just is sitting there crying because her baby's being taken. There's nothing she can do. She's a prisoner in this convent, locked inside while they give away her baby. When she's saying goodbye to Michelle, they're like, oh, you'll have plenty of time to say goodbye. Here you are, dear. And they give her the baby. But it's like half an hour. They like come back and they're like, okay, time's up. It's like, what happened to plenty of time? This is only her child. <laughs> so, um, but Delia slips a note into the blanket. This is, this breaks my heart. She slips a note into the blanket saying to please tell Michelle that she was loved and that she didn't want to give her away. Yeah, I think the note said, please tell her that I I gave her away against my will. Yeah. So horrible. Can you imagine finding that note and being like, well, I feel good about adopting this baby. (laughs) No kidding. This was this was above board. Oh, my God. Um, so. Over the years, uh, Delia always sort of wondered what happened to Sh- Michelle, but... She goes home, and her and her family never speak of it again. Which is wild to me, because, I mean, I guess it's wild to me that she continued to speak to her parents at all. Yeah. Instead least, of... Certainly her father. Burning down their house. But, um... Literally, they never speak of it again. They, yeah. Just, uh... All right, Delia. You, that ability to compartmentalize is impressive. Yeah. So, um, she goes, you know, she lives her life. She's married twice, but she has no other children. She kind of is, oh, she thinks about Michelle every day and wonders what happens to her. Her father dies in 76, but her mother decides to be an absolute bitch and is like, let's honor your father's wishes and not talk about it. She literally refused. She's dead. She refused to give Delia any information about the adoption because it was her father's wish. What? He's dead. She's like scared of his ghost. 
I don't understand. Ugh, I hate these people. Then finally, before her death in 91, she's like laying in her deathbed. Delia, being a way nicer daughter than I would be, comes to see her mom. And her mom is finally like, this is what I know about the couple that adopted Michelle. Their last name was Walters. And then was like, can I see a picture of her? Delia has two photos of Michelle as a baby that she has carried with her her whole life. And her mother asks for the photo and Delia puts it by her bed. And I think her mother says something, at least in the reenactment, that she's going to tell all of the nurses that this is her grandchild. A little too late, mom. I'd be like, fuck you, mom. It's a little too late. Oh, what? Their name was Walters? Okay, uh, have fun dying alone. Bye! <laughs> like, <laughs> bye! <laughs> what the absolute hell? Delia needed this information a long time ago. I cannot understand. She didn't need it when it would relieve your conscience when you were dying. That's yeah. so selfish. I know. Anyway, then she dies. <laughs> Good. Then she dies. I don't want her on this earth. So, that's the mystery. Delia wants to find Michelle. Yep. This is all the information she has. She has two photos, and supposedly they, their last name was Walters, and she knows they were American, and she knows that he was in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. That's it. Okay, but fortunately, this is solved. In July 1992, Delia learned that Michelle had been renamed Laura Franklin. Though her adopted name was Walters, she had married, so she had changed her name. There is video footage of her watching the segment. Yeah, she, like, found out ahead of time that... She got in contact with her mom, and her mom said, watch this Unsolved Mysteries to, yep. like, understand what happened. And so, yeah, they have video of her watching the segment, and it's very moving. Laura, formerly Michelle, lived in New York, um, and she called the telecenter to be put in touch with Delia. And a few weeks later, in 92, they were reunited at the Syracuse airport, along with Delia's son-in-law and two grandchildren. What's... Super nice about this, I think, is that Laura's adopted mother had passed away kind of recently. So I'm sure it was a point in her life. I mean, Delia always wanted to find Michelle. Right. But I feel like this was a good point for Laura slash Michelle to find Delia because now that her adopted mother has passed away, she has some connection with her biological mother. And Delia says, you know, look, I know I can't replace her mother. You know, I didn't get the opportunity to raise her, but... I do want to be a part of her life now, and I hope that they can have some sort of relationship. And it seems like they did, and it was really sweet. Well, and Laura's mother apparently gave her all the information she had about her adoption and was very upfront about it. Yeah, Laura's mother wasn't a total jerk, like Delia's parents. So she had this information her whole life. She'd clearly shared it with others. And when the segment aired, they were immediately able to identify her based on the information. Yeah. And now they got to have a relationship, which is... I mean, this is a terrible story, but at least it has a happy ending. Yeah, the 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 reunion, or whatever you want to call it, them being reunited is really sweet. It was very sweet. Um, Laura has a little bouquet of flowers, and she gave a little bouquet to each of her kids to give to their, their grandma. It was really moving. My favorite part of Lost Love, of course, is the reunion. Uh, this, this, is a good one. this particular Lost Love is a good one. It just, I don't know, it features some really terrible dudes. Yeah, man, get it together. We're going to send you into the sun. For real. All right, so our next segment is another another Ooh, one. This one's worse. <laughs> this one's pretty bad. This is real. This episode really needed a paranormal segment. Yeah. Man, oh man, we only get three mysteries. We get a very long update about that amnesia case. That's like the whole segment again. Ugh. I don't understand. That was what Tommy was that the guy? You know that guy that stole some frozen food and then had amnesia. <laughs> 
You know that guy. I was interested to find out that our Facebook group mostly thought he was faking it. I was interested in that, too. Because I don't really get why. I guess Honestly, that was my gut reaction until you sort of teased it out more, and you were like, why would he go on the run from stealing food? Like, that doesn't make why any sense. Why would he wander around in the desert putting his life at risk after stealing frozen food? It makes more sense that he had some sort of medical incident. I get that people think he's not on the level. And I maybe th- he's not, but... I think it can be both. Yeah. Anyway, so we get a totally unnecessary reenact. Uh, just that, again, the whole thing. It was like the whole segment. Uh, and then we go into this very heavy wanted case, and mm-hmm. you're just like, like, a ghost? Could we get, like, a haunted ship, please? Can we get, yeah, a Jesus statue blinking? Like, are, there, are there more of those out there? Yeah. Can we get, yeah, like, the Virgin Mary and a piece of toast, or, like, a gremlin that lives under some stairs or something? Come on. Yeah, so... Because this is depressing as hell. Robert Stack describes it as a nightmare of love gone wrong and murder. Oh, also that. So... Jim Burnside is wanted for the murder of his estranged wife, Annette, and the attempted murder of Dave, one of her co-workers. R.I.P. Annette. We're thinking of you. Annette had dropped out of high school and was working as a cashier at a local grocery store at the age of, I think she was 17? I wasn't... Yeah. I think she was 17 when she met Jim, who was the butcher at the grocery store. They started out as friends. Uh, He is extremely creepy in the reenactment of when they met. (laughs) It's awful. He's sort of like, oh, a pretty young girl like you working at a grocery store, and he... Is old and has this gross mustache. He and has never worn sunscreen a day in his life. <laughs> he looks like. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He hates sunscreen so much. It's just creepy. This is just like. Oh my God. There's no other way to describe it. It's creepy. Do any as fuck. teenagers listen to our podcast? Because, okay, if you are 18 and someone else is 40, 46, they. You're not going to listen to me, but I'm going to say it anyway. They don't think you're, like, mature for your age. They don't... It's not a compliment. They are a creep. They're probably a predator. Like, it's not just that you look young. It's that you're naive. And you don't know the ways of the world. You don't know to go, hey, fuck you. Which is what... When he's like, eh, pretty long thing in this grocery store. She should have... Uh, giving him the finger, or I'm guessing this grocery store doesn't have an HR. Quit. I don't know. Yeah. But instead, she's like, "Oh, I'm so flattered." No. She was clearly no! very charmed by the attention she was getting from this older man, and <sighs> it's just unfortunate that when you're that young, you don't know yeah, better. You don't and know better, take, and creeps take advantage of that. They do. This is 100 his fault it's for not taking her advantage. Fault. It's it's yeah, he's predatory. Yeah, and it worked. Well, and he know people like this know exactly what to say, right? Yeah. I'm sure this is not the first 17 year old girl no. he's preyed upon. He's he's you know got rejected so many times that he's honed his predatory skills. Absolutely. So That's it's just really so unfortunate gross. that. She just happened to work at that grocery store, and he preyed upon her. So he was the butcher. They started out as friends, I guess. One day, he asked her out on a date, even though there was a 28-year age gap. She agreed. From the beginning, her parents did not like him, but they accepted the relationship because they wanted her to be happy. Her mom is interviewed throughout this whole segment, and I was it's like, extremely sad. I was like, Mom, you're, you were so right about this, and it's not your fault. Oh, she was right from the beginning. And she her was like, mom, mm, no. Her mom says... There was just something about him that I 
for yeah, him to maybe be that off. he was in his forties and dating her teenage and daughter. While she's saying this, they sort of show you a photo of this guy, and you're kind of like, "Hmm, I know why you thought that, mom." But I also understand that. I think she's right to not, like, forbid it. That's not going to work. Well, because, yeah, it's not going to work. She's almost 18. She's going to go with him no matter what. She wants a relationship with her daughter. Pushing. I think her options were being, you know, tentatively, very mildly supportive and having her daughter in her life or throwing a tantrum and her daughter being like, no, we're in love. I'm going to go off with this old creepy man. Exactly. Because at least in the first scenario, when she does finally, you know, hopefully the happy ending of the story is that she realizes that this guy is a creep and she leaves him and then he, they go their separate ways. And then she still has a relationship with her family because they haven't pushed her. You know what I mean? There's just no good scenario here. So I, it's definitely, you know, I'm sure her mom blames herself, but it's not her fault. All right. In 1981, Annette and Jim were married. She was just 18 and he was 46. I hate it so much. It's so gross. I literally just wrote down, yeah. Bride, 18. Groom, 46. Gross in all letters. Unsolved Mysteries claims that within weeks of the marriage, he began drinking. I'm sure he was drinking before. <laughs> it's just one of those things where he hid his worst self from Until her. she was locked yeah. in by marriage. Yeah. Right? So now once they're married, he has no reason to hide it. She became frightened of him because he was jealous and verbally abusive. The abuse eventually turned physical. One year after they were married, she took refuge at a battered women's shelter. It was Unsolved Mysteries words, not mine. She called him from there and told he told her that he would kill her and her family if she did not return against her parents wishes she went back to him and they hear from the mom and the mom was like this is not what we wanted and we told her like absolutely put us at risk to not be with this dude and she says that she would rather be dead than her daughter be in this situation that was the most i mean there's a lot about this that's heartbreaking but her mom said i i don't he can kill us i would rather be dead than you live yeah. this life with him and yeah that just but bra- obviously enough to break your she wasn't willing to put her family in danger so she went back she and- wasn't and of course she be- you know she believed him he was full of apologies and he yeah. said it would never happen again and he cha- would change and all of that garbage After saying he's gonna kill her family right uh. so over the next few years she has two daughters um And it did appear for a short period that the relationship was improving, but when Jim lost his job, he let Nanette get a job as a receptionist at a car dealership. Um, He helped her buy her own car. Jim, however, felt that she was getting too much freedom, so he decided to damage her vehicle to prevent her from going out. Great idea. He then threatened to kill her if she ever left my job. We need money. You should get a job. I'm going to damage your car. Right. So he wanted her to go out and get a, have a job so that she could bring in money, but he didn't want her to have any freedom to herself whatsoever. He continued to threaten her. Um, he also th- threatened to kill their daughters. There was a moment. Uh, this is terrible. Where, Don't watch this one, by the way. Yeah. I, I'm not even putting a trigger warning on this. I'm saying I'm just telling- literally everyone do not watch this. I, Why bother? It's not, it's, yeah, it's just completely depressing. And there's some episodes that have redeeming qualities. The next mystery is okay, but I don't think it's really worth it. No. Uh, I don't really think anyone should subject themselves to this. Because what he says to his daughter, because his daughter is right there. He's threatening to kill her mom and her because he's fucking a lunatic. And then her, her daughter, who's old enough to understand what's going on, says, basically, daddy, you wouldn't kill me. And then he looks straight in her eyes and says, yes, I would kill you. 
to a child. His child. A little child. Um, it's what? disgusting and terrifying and men were a mistake. <laughs> they were. I'm sorry, men listening. Can we just send them all to, like, surely technology has advanced. Like, we could just, they can all live on the moon, right? <laughs> it's the, what is it, the 50th anniversary of the moonwalk? Yeah. I think it's time to revisit can we just the moon. build a moon colony <laughs> and send all men there? Like, it's for our safety. Well, they could come back occasionally. A few, like, really good cooks can come back and, like, make us some, like, barbecue or something, and then just go back. Go back to the moon. Like, once a year, they can... Samantha a, a select few Samantha can come Samantha back. Samantha president. Samantha's got my vote. This moon plan. <laughs> we'll bone them. Send moon, and men then, to the moon. Yeah, like, Gordon Ramsay and, like, a couple of his chefs can come back, like, twice oh, a I year. See. There's a Gordon Ramsay exception. <laughs> yeah, like, twice a year they come back and they make us some delicious key or something and then back to the moon back to the moon i love it i think this is a great idea <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like they're gonna be i mean why can't they have the whole moon <laughs> don't worry fellas it's plenty of space you can have the whole moon <laughs> can have the, the whole moon. <laughs> i'm sure it'll be great yeah right. do whatever you want with it it's yours <laughs> All right, so uh, I lost his place. That's because, yeah, he just threatened to kill his own kid. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, The next day, while he was at work, Annette called the police and asked them to escort her and their daughters out of the house. She was finally, she was going to file for divorce and leave him. By the time he got home, she was on a plane to Ohio to leave their daughters with relatives. Five days later, she secretly returned home so she could continue to work. Unfortunately, Jim eventually discovered that Annette was back in town. He began Uh. spying on her by the reenactments account from bushes. (laughs) Yeah. He was hiding in bushes across the street with a pair of binoculars. He also called her parents multiple times, threatening to kill her and them. They reported the incidents to the police, who said that nothing could be done unless he she was actually harmed. Really? I can just call people and tell them I'm going to murder them? I guess. And there's, That's no, not there's just harassment. There's just something. nothing they can do unless they you they actually murder you. All right. Well, trash. Okay. <laughs> you hear that, Ted Cruz? I'm allowed to call you and tell you I'm going <laughs> to murder you. It's fine. On February 17th, 1988, three days before Annette was scheduled to testify in court regarding the divorce, she came to work as usual. Around 12 p.m., she met Dave, her co-worker, in his car for lunch. She then noticed that Jim was approaching. He bashed the passenger side window in with the butt of a rifle. Dave got out to confront him, but was shot in the stomach. Oh, uh, Dave. Annette tried to flee. However, Jim chased her down with a knife and stabbed her 15 times. Dave was rushed to the hospital and survived. Sadly, Annette died on the scene. It's horrible! This all happened in a parking lot in broad daylight. At her work! Jim was able to escape. He ended up buying several items from a sporting goods store and then withdrew a large amount of money. Two and a half years later, a groundskeeper approached a stranger at Annette's grave who fled the scene. The groundskeeper identified the stranger as Jim. He was not, he has not been seen since. What do you think he was doing at that cemetery? Going like, I did a great job. Probably. Ugh. It's disgusting. So, the fortunately, the result is that he was captured. On the night of the broadcast, two viewers contacted the, the telecenter to report that Jim was living in Shelby County, Alabama, under the assumed name of Al Wilson. He was working at a flea market at the time. The next morning, federal, federal authorities arrived. He was out there arrived, selling Amway. Apparently. You know it. 
He noticed them and ran to his pickup truck. He pulled out a gun and began firing at the officers. They fired back and struck him twice. He was arrested and sent to a nearby hospital. Apparently, Jim had seen the broadcast as he was as he told his co-workers the day he was arrested that he anticipated having problems that day <laughs> he was convicted i thought he meant like he was gonna run out of singles at the flea market but <laughs> he actually meant that the, the fuzz was coming down on him that the feds were gonna show up and arrest him yeah. he was convicted of assaulting a federal officer and then returned to florida he pleaded no contest to annette's murder and the attempted murder of dave he was sentenced to life in prison without parole he died in prison on november 27th 2015 well, I'm glad he's dead. Me too. What a piece of human garbage. Yeah. It's really awful. A family... That's one of the saddest ones we've covered. It's I It's really it. sad. And she had two daughters. Like, now they grow up without a mom. I don't... This is just awful. He's awful. There's nothing redeeming. No, yeah, no redeeming qualities. About this, I guess the redeeming thing about the mystery is that he was captured, but... It's too little too late, more really. More redeeming if he was never born. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be more redeeming if he got lost in a mine shaft and never got out. Sure. Oh, boy. Okay, but the best thing you can say about this episode is that it ends with a palate cleanser. Yeah, this one's actually good. So you watch that mystery and you go, wow, I don't know if this is a world I want to live in. Did I consent to this? Mom. Suddenly we want to send all men to the moon. Mom, I didn't ask to be born, you say. But then you get this little sweet lost love. Yeah, this is a good lost love. And sometimes we're like, mm, I don't want two lost loves in an episode, but you need it. This, this time one. you need it. Mm-mm. So in 1969, uh, we hear from a man named Josh Fisher, whose uh, dad left that year. Um, he was being raised by a single mom. Um, he did have a sister, but he'd been really close to his dad. And then his dad was just like completely out of the picture and he never heard from him. So it was leaving like a real gap in his life. And he was too young to understand that it wasn't his fault and, um, sort of what that meant. We see a scene of his mom taking him to the barber shop, and he's like, no, I don't want to go there with you. I want to go there with a, my dad. Like men are supposed to go to the barber shop. And she's like, well, you're dad's away yeah so i have to take you and it's just i don't know it's sad it's sad so um when the first branch of the big brothers of america opened in their town jeff was the very first person that signed up to get a big brother um and his brother was named john novotny Novotny? Sure. Sounds right. He was a local salesman and a father of a two-year-old daughter, and he was very serious about the program and spent a lot of time with Jeff and was just, since Jeff's mom was working a lot and couldn't spend as much time with him as she wanted, he would, like, take him camping and... I don't know, do, like, manly things with him. Sure. They went fishing a lot. Yeah, so they spent weekends together, and you see a little reenactment of them, like, like Jeff learning how to put up a tent, and, yeah, them out on a boat fishing. Learning how to grow some impressive sideburns. (laughs) I assume he passed that knowledge on. John in the reenactment did have some... They were clearly glued on, but wow. (laughs) Serious sideburns. Unfortunately, in a year and a half after they met, John's company transferred him out of state, but they did keep in touch for a while, and an example of that is in September 1972, Jeff had to have heart surgery for a heart defect, Um, and obviously that's very scary for a little kid, but he got a phone call from John, who also had heart problems, telling him, like, you know, it's going to be fine, and apparently that really, like, meant to the world to them, but however, after that, you know, they kind of lost touch, 
And Jeff had always felt like John is the person who like set him on the right path for life and had made such a huge impression on him being there at such an important time that he basically just wanted to thank John for everything that he did. Um, so this aired in October of 91. And it is solved. On the night of the broadcast, John got, he said he got like 35 calls. I know, it was amazing. <laughs> from people being like, hey, you're on TV. <laughs> There's a, there, TV made a show about how you're great. Can you imagine? <laughs> what a great call again. Better news. So we hear from John, and he was saying that when he first started the Big Brothers of America program, his first concern was that he wasn't going to have enough time to like really devote to it. But he he clearly did take it really seriously, and so it was so nice to hear that he had made a positive impact in someone's life. Right. He's like, when you sign up to do something like this, you never know if, you know, it's going to actually impact someone's life, and to find out years later that you had such a big impact was really special. Yeah, so then we get to see a reunion between them. It was the first time they had spoken 20 years, where... Jeff and his wife travel to John's house in Tacoma, Washington, and it's just really sweet. And John, unlike every other dude in the Unsolved Mysteries, I'm not even going to send him to the moon. He's He can stay. He's actually passed away. Okay, well, in if 2014, he was not If he was away. alive, he would be allowed to stay. And his ghost is also allowed to stay. His ghost is welcome wherever. Um, John actually seems like a really stand-up dude, and I appreciate that he took the time out of his life to help someone that was struggling. And if you have the opportunity to do that, clearly it means a lot to people. So, I mean, you can imagine this man had a young family. He didn't need to spend so much time with someone he didn't even know. But But, he did, and it really changed this person's life. Yeah, it's really sweet, and I don't know. It was touching. Jeff and John, you both get a thumbs up. Everyone else, to the moon. (laughs) To the moon. (laughs) (laughs) To the moon! (laughs) Yes, okay, and that's it. That feels really short, but that's the whole episode. That was the whole episode. I mean, most of the episode was that stupid update, but Uh, should we rate it? Yeah, I guess. Wait, did I have a mustache in this, or what? My MVM was that guy's sideburns in the reenactment. <laughs> you know what? I didn't that even That was a one. mustache, but I honestly don't remember whose oh. it was. I didn't write it down. I um, mean, the, the gross, abusive oh, yeah. butcher he had, had a, a mustache. He's a dirtbag. He had so. a, a mustache that was really gross. <laughs> you could tell that it always had food in it. And <laughs> it smelled like beef. Yeah, it's <laughs> soup. Yeah, it no, smelled, no, it smelled like cigarettes and coffee like all the time. Oh, gross. So. Yeah, so no to that. Okay, what do we have to rate? So mysteriousness? No. I don't think any of these were mysterious. No, really not. It was just, Where's yeah. that murderer? Where's that baby? Yeah, no, thumbs, thumbs down. Thumbs down. Reenactments? Eh, Shrug? I don't, yeah, I don't Hard have anything shrug. good to say about the reenactment. No, I fact, actually, I don't like this episode, so I'm just going to say the thumbs down. The slow motion reenactment of Jim chasing Annette to stab her was horrifying. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't have anything good to say about thumbs them. Thumbs down. Fashion? Unremarkable, I'm going to say. I don't remember. There Do you want to no see a standout. creep dressed like a butcher leering at a girl? Oh, no, you don't? Yeah, I don't, actually. Thumbs down. Wish I'd never. Uh, <laughs> was Robert Stack even in this episode? He's very briefly in, um, I think, this, he introduces- this wanted one. And yeah. you, can, you can tell, I feel like he really brings a gravitas to this that's important when talking about domestic violence. Oh, you're does, right. You're right. He, he gives us taking some it stats. seriously. Yeah, so whatever. He can have a thumbs up. He's the like the only thing good. Sure. Him 
and him and the John. dudes in the last mystery yeah. can stay. Their ghosts are allowed to stay. Um, yeah, I don't know. Out of a possible five Robert Stacks? I'm going to give it a two, and that's only because of the last mystery. I agree. It would be a one, one and a half if it wasn't for the last one. So I think and it's I'm a two. And I'm glad that Delia found Michelle, but I mean, that's also a bummer. Two Robert Stacks is more than this episode deserves, but I'm going to give it a two. I think it, yeah, it's getting a two. Okay. Thanks, thanks, John. I'm sorry you've passed on. Goodbye. Goodbye to this episode. Don't bother watching it. I hope the next episode is a lot better. If you have watched ahead and know if our next episode is good, if any of them are good, please let us know. I need a cryptid. A a a, a last, what is it? Past life. Oh, yeah. Past life would be good. Someone who thinks they're Cleopatra, please. Yeah, a hypnotist. I don't know. I need something. Remember when that guy had a, the life flash before his eyes and it was on like a weird conveyor belt of memories? <laughs> <laughs> the lazy Susan of memories? Yeah, I need that. Yeah, that would be great. I feel like, so we were at the True Crime Podcast Festival and you're saturated with the podcasts that are about tragedies at this thing. And that's the genre a lot of people like. I like it. But I really feel like what our podcast brings is a little bit of everything. Some palate cleansers. You know, we get the aliens. A lot. We get the ghosts. But you could tell when we like told people our podcast was not 100% about murder. Some people were like, no thanks. Some people were like, oh, that's really great. I know I also need a break from murder. And some people were like, oh, I want all murder all the time. Some people were like, so you're pussies? I don't understand. <laughs> For me, I just get too saturated in tragedy. Like the world is full of tragedy enough. And then to like fill your entertainment time with it all the time is just a bit much. I definitely need a break. And after I need more breaks like this, than not breaks at this point. I really need a Jesus Blinks. <laughs> Jesus Blinks. Or something. Jesus Blinks. <laughs> I need a, a dog that saves someone's life. Oh, please. Can we get like really 20 need? rats that save someone's life by yeah. working together? Yeah, it doesn't have to be a, a dog, I guess. I need another <laughs> Harley the service dog that saves someone's life. Can we get a haunted mailbox? <laughs> Literally anything. <laughs> a magic rock? Please. That's cl- clearly a fake mystery, but I want it, I want it anyway. Surely there's a castle that has a ghoul. Tell us about it. <laughs> please. 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 I can't keep doing this. All right. This is a Sunday. I could be doing anything. We're just want to talk about, about domestic violence. Domestic violence. Ugh. All right. right. I hope you have a recommendation. I do have a recommendation. And you're familiar with it. Am I? Yeah. So after the podcast festival. Oh, I think I know what you're going to recommend. Samantha and I had a tiny bit of downtime. We were eating some delicious sorbet. In bed. In bed. And decided to watch some Netflix. And I was like, you know what? I have a great idea of something we should watch. (laughs) Which is that... Um, oh my god, what's the name of the show, though? I think it's Documentary Now. Yes, you're right. Okay, so the show Documentary Now, which is a parody, which is parodies of documentaries, which is, um, like, I think... There's three seasons. And yeah. Each season has quite a few episodes. I think it's started by Fred Armiston. I don't even really know. But what's important is that they recently released on Netflix the new season... And that there is a parody of Wild Wild Country. It is, I'm laughing just remembering it. <laughs> there is two episodes oh, about it. So it's good. called Batshit Valley. <laughs> so good. And it is so spot on. 
if you, I don't recommend this if you haven't seen Wild Wild Country, you'll have no idea what's going on. But if you have watched that documentary about the Roshnishis and their Salmonella incident and <laughs> all of that gobbledygook. You will find this so we funny. We were dying. We were crying. We yes. were like rolling around laughing. <laughs> it's so hilarious. It stars Owen Wilson as the cult leader yes. and Michael Keaton as like the FBI guy that's going to catch him. And it's really, like, the visual rhetoric is spot on to that documentary with the, like, illegible script. <laughs> the and drone, the, the yeah. slow motion drone shots. Everything was just so perfect. It looks, like, exactly like it, except it's a, only slightly more ridiculous because the story is already pretty ridiculous. Right. It was so, so funny. We and laughed just so hard. Definitely what we needed after a weekend of murder, I would Absolutely. say. Absolutely. We also watched a few other episodes, and some of them we didn't even know what they were parodying. And they were still really but funny. But they were still so funny. It was just the, the it was exactly our humor. I feel like, <laughs> I don't know, someone out there just gets us and made like a show that's just for our type of humor. Because it was so Bill funny. Peter is on a lot of them, and he's really hilarious. There there's one where um, Michael C. Hall has a terrible mustache and is in like a bowling documentary <laughs> and it's just like playing it really deadpan and I found that very funny as well. That was a parody of Any Given Sunday. Sort of, except that's a like except that's fiction, fiction And I've never seen it, so but I don't just, know. just like every sports documentary that's yeah. like, you know, they're going to come back and they're going to prove everyone wrong. It's one of those. It's pretty. Movies. Yeah, you're right. It's pretty much a parody of any sports documentary. But except so about funny. bowling. And, so um, funny. Yeah, it was highly enjoyable. So I if you've watched Wild One Hill Country, you need to watch this Bad Shit Valley thing. I made Matt watch Start it. Start there. It was so funny. He didn't enjoy it nearly as much as we did. I don't know why. <laughs> it's almost like not the sort of thing he jokes about all the time. <laughs> Or I was a little bit like, we couldn't have been brought in on this. We could have really helped. I, we could have. Although I don't see how they could have done it they any They could have perfect. done it any better. I just wanted to be there. So Maybe funny. like dancing in the field, you know? <laughs> if you could have been one of the like, I would have been an extra in that. extras, yeah. that would have been so fun. So fun. Okay, that's my recommendation for this week. I honestly don't have a recommendation. There was a few things I thought about recommending. I thought about recommending this oil that I got on Amazon that's sweet almond. Yeah. That's really, I don't know, it's literally the extract of an almond, and it's really nice for removing makeup. It's also very moisturizing. Oh, sure. That's but great that's for like your skin. the world's shortest recommendation. <laughs> so I don't know that I have anything else. Liz really wanted me to recommend the gelato place we went to in Chicago. <laughs> I was like, I know what you're going to recommend. Which I guess can be my recommendation because we went there three times and we brought a take home pint <laughs> back to our Airbnb that we ate while we watched the Wild Wild Country uh, Which was documentary. One of the best decisions we've ever made. <laughs> Excellent, actually. But it, so I guess if you're in the Chicago area, you can go to Black. It's Black Dog. It's Black Dog Gelato. Gelato. It is. Uh, I don't even know if that still counts as the Ukrainian Village, Ukrainian Village, West Town area over by Chicago and Damon. We were able to walk there it's from our Airbnb. Delicious. Oh my god. We actually had sorbet like three out of the four times we had it. The I had. Uh, like a lemony blackberry sorb or gelato the first day, and then we discovered their sorbet. And because it was a hundred and 
a million degrees. It was, it was super, super hot. And then because, it, you know, I was there as Samantha, I wanted to take her to one of my favorite places, the Garfield Park Conservatory. Which was lovely. Which is beautiful. But it is, I mean, it was like a hundred degree day and we're wandering around a greenhouse. <laughs> Very humid. So, yeah, it was, we were quite warm. So we decided that on our way back to our Airbnb, we would get more gelato. And we went, we opted for the sorbet because they had the most delicious flavors. If you're in the area, you need to get there this summer because I think these are limited edition. They were cucumber rose water. That's the one you need. That's what we bought a pint of. If I could eat nothing but that for the rest of my life, I think I would be perfectly happy. It was so so refreshing. And the cucumber, like, when you think of cucumber water, I feel like you just think of water that has, like, like, a hint of cucumber. But this was, like... It was, I don't very know. Very cucumbery. Perfect. And but the not rose, salad-y. Yeah, it's so good. And it's I so actually good. don't even like cucumbers that much, but I love the sorbet. And then they had a, a blueberry mint, yeah. which they were sadly out of the second time we went. But the first time we went was so good. They also had a cantaloupe sorbet, which I didn't get to try because they were out of that the second time. And then Samantha's like, and they were blood orange, it, blood and orange. I didn't get to try it. I don't know if you go there. Just I think anything on their menu is probably delicious. Yeah, it is but really really it's good. Nice they make it there. Like, it's like a local thing, and it's still it's great. I feel like a lot of places you go to get gelato, you have like the standard flavors. You get like chocolate, vanilla, maybe pistachio or something. And even if it's really good, it's not quite as exciting as being like I don't know, having feta cheese in it. I, it's delicious. So, Samantha's recommendation is find your local gelato place. Yeah. Try a weird gelato flavor. Yeah. That you haven't tried before. Treat yourself. It's summer. This is the time. Yeah. It's been incredibly humid here in Minnesota. We had like 80% humidity or something. Something ridiculous. The dew point on Friday was 80, which means that combined with the 90 degree actual temperature made it feel like 117. It was... I like warm weather. I'm going to say it was a little much. It was way too much. I was like, so we're having a clothing swap today. And before the clothing swap, I was like, oh, I should see if the Buffalo Exchange will buy any of these clothes, you know. Sure. Before I give them to you, slobs, let's see if I can get some cold, hard cash. And so I'm like carrying a box of clothes down the street. On Friday? Yes. Oh, my God. Like sweating a bucket. And then the woman was like, oh, I need to see your ID. To give you money. What? Which then I realized I didn't have on me because I had taken it out at the airport. So I was like, okay. And then like, (laughs) like all the way back home. Anyway. Oh my God. So freaking warm. Jeez. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Although yesterday. Gelato. Yeah. Yes. Yesterday it was like 62 degrees. I don't know. It was, I got whiplash temperature wise, but that's what happens in Minnesota. Hang on there. Yeah, stay cool. Stay cool. Eat your gelato. Eat your gelato. Try to solve your murders uh, by air conditioning. Yeah, if you can. Uh, Perhaps, you know, spend some time at your local library if you need to cool down. Yeah, if you're in Minnesota and it gets hot like that, you can find, like, maps that have cooling stations on them. Where you can go if you, you know, if you... If you don't have shelter but you need to be cool, there is areas you can go where you can be... I also love uh, Riverview Movie Theater, which is a, like, second-run cheap movie theater. I think tickets are $5, and they have air conditioning, Mm -hmm. so if you need to cool down and you got five bucks, that might be a good plan, too. Our summers are so short in Minnesota, and they're they're usually not... This is really unusual. The number of really, really hot days are usually small enough that some people, a lot of people can get away with not having air conditioning. But on those extremely, extremely hot days, yeah, you probably don't want to be in your home... 
without air conditioning. Take care of yourself. So go to your local library, grab a book, just try and stay cool. Learn about the Roswell incident. Yeah. You know, make a day of it. Listen to our <laughs> podcast. I don't know. Absolutely. Okay, let's plug our stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we're on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Perhaps It's You. Uh, we have a website, perhaps it's you.com. You can listen to our podcast there. It also has our contact information. If you wanted to send us your own paranormal tale, or perhaps about a time you met Robert Stack and slipped him your number, that's perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com. You, you can throw us a few extra dollars each month on Patreon, patreon.com slash perhaps it's you. You'll get bonus content no matter how much money you give us. You can also, at higher amounts, get coloring sheets each month or a special gift every quarter. We're about to record our July Patreon episode, which is going to be top 10 secrets and mysteries of mummies. mummies. I'm kind of excited about it. It was, I just it like, was actually I like a good talking episode. about mummies. So we're going to have a lot of fun. And like I said, Giving us just a dollar a month will get you that extra episode each month. And the super duper mystery solvers, the people who get a gift every quarter, people who were due for a gift this month, they've gone out. I feel like everybody should have gotten them by now. You got a replica of the sign from Bobby Mackey's Music World telling patrons they're not responsible for the actions of the ghosts. <laughs> I'll post a photo on Instagram. Now that those have all gone out, uh, I'm going to post a photo on Instagram so you can see what they look like. You won't be able to get that gift if you sign up now, but you will uh, in a few short months get another gift and they're always pretty awesome. I'm pretty excited about our next one. So, so yeah, now's the time to sign up. Is that everything? Uh, I'm sure we've got something, but who cares? Okay. Oh yeah, give us a five-star review. We oh, only yeah. accept that we only accept five-star ones. So on iTunes, Apple Podcast. Go do that. If you haven't already, it always cheers us up. Shout out to our f- listeners in Finland. Apparently, we're huge there. Oh, yeah. Congratulations on Norway, Samantha. <laughs> Congratulations. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Go solve some mysteries. Bye. Bye.